You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 510, Meeting the Beatles in India, the best and the worst radio quiz shows, and Can Records Change Your Life? That's all coming up after the Beatles and Revolution. I had just turned 13 when Hey Jude was released as a single. Mm-hmm. And when I discovered this track on the B-side, <laughs> I thought it was one of the most exciting pieces yeah. of music I'd ever heard. And I played it over and over again. <laughs> I think it's in the top three John Lennon vocal performances of mm. all time, alongside Rain and Instant Karma. From the summer of 1968, mm. The Beatles and Revolution. 
You see, I would put Twist and Shout in his best vocal performances of all time, simply because it was just so nuts, frankly. But uh, but no, I I completely agree. It's a, it's such an energising song, made all the more interesting, I think, by Revolution One on the White Album as well, and that kind of flip on that and 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 the and the different energies that those songs bring. But no, I remember when I heard it on a tape on a Walkman for the first time, and I think it dislodged something that's never quite been relodged. Really, I think <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Welcome along to the Parish Council. It's episode 510510. Wow. I'm Terence Stackham. <laughs> and, well, it's the question we're all asking. We'll have to ask her. Has she got three lions on her shirt? It's Juliet Harris. <laughs> I'm not wearing my England shirt at this moment of time, oh, which, of course, you, means you. that I will be banished to the kingdom of, I don't know, Wales or somewhere else anyway. Now, obviously, I will be cheering on our England people during during uh, this year of our Lord 2020, according to the people at UEFA who haven't flicked the calendar. I mean, they've made all the merch, haven't they? So, of well, course, they're keeping, what it, is, keeping yeah. it 2020. But anyway, why not? So um, who knows if it will be at Wembley? Possibly not, if, ne- if the news is, is correct. But. Um, no, I, I I love it. I love it when it's the football or the athletics or the cricket. Oh, I just love it. I've always loved big sporting events, but particularly in these pandemic times, something's happening, Terence, and it's really good. Isn't it? It's great, it's great that something can just happen. I can't wait to to you know that I I've you know when you you buy things online, you then become this kind of sitting target for targeted advertising where people just fling things at you Mm. i've literally seen more euro 2020 beers of europe themed bespoke beer box sets (laughs) craft beer box sets than i than i've actually eaten meals i think over the last the last week or so i I may well end up buying them all terence i'm not sure i can but hi everyone we got we got our wall chart up, and I, like you, I just yes. can't wait. It's going to be a great month. And I'm I'm experiencing. Uh, well, you're speaking of wall charts. I'm experiencing this tournament in that way that only middle class football fans can. I've got my Radio Times fill in chart stuck in my spare room. <laughs> That's how I'm experiencing football. Um, earlier in the year of 1968, five months mm-hmm. before Hey Jude and Revolution, the four Beatles, their partners and Mel Evans and Neil Aspinall ar- mm. arrived to stay in Rishikesh in India to stay at the ashram of Maharishi Mahashyogi to cement their interest in transcendental meditation and the teachings of the Maharishi. Now, there's always been an element of mystery about this trip, but now a new movie has been released recalling the adventures of a Canadian man, Paul Saltzman, who was at the ashram in Rishikesh at the same time as the Beatles. He took a a number of wonderful photos and his memory of events in Rishikesh are, are remarkably clear. This on its own might be enough to prompt interest, but the fact that Mark Lewison is in this movie joining yeah. Saltzman on a return to Rishikesh in the present day. It kind of adds credibility and depth to the whole project. Mark Lewison is widely acknowledged as the world's leading expert on anything Beatle. So, Jules, this new take on Rishikesh in 1968, did you enjoy meeting the Beatles in India? I did. I did enjoy it very much. I, there, there, there are perhaps some issues with it, which I'll discuss in a minute. But I thought it was. I found it quite. Mo- I thought it was a very heartfelt story by by the the director. I thought it was it was his story, and I think he was quite open in the fact that it was a story about his experience, Paul Saltzman, and his week with the Beatles. So it was that rather than necessarily 
a definitive sort of account of what happened there. Although he did, um, you say, Mark Lewis, and I thought was, who was excellent as always appearing. And I was again quite moved by the fact that he'd never been. So we kind of, ex- I thought it was delightful that the world's leading Beatle authority was having a new experience about the Beatles, and we were along with him. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, the the photographs. It was sort of a focusing on the photographs that he had taken. I enjoyed him being taken round the the Liverpool Beatles um, exhibition. I enjoyed. I thought the Boyd sisters were excellent. I've not seen. Pa- I've not seen Patty and uh, her sister. What's her sister? Is it Jenny? Her sister? Yes, Jenny Boyd. Yes. Yeah. I thought Patty and Jenny came across brilliantly. I was I was really interested in what they had to say, and also they were interested as well when they were told things by 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 Paul. Saltzman, they they were you know they were genuinely engaged. I thought I thought that was really interesting. Obviously, there there wasn't really any cooperation from anyone else around the Beatles, but I thought I thought that was really lovely. I mean, he was very taken with John Lennon, and and we're going back to the Lennon Harrison dichotomy that I discussed when we 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 watched that that uh, the sixties and seventy one film the other week. Mm. Um, in that you know Lennon didn't endear himself to me again in some of the reports of when he first met them and I think Paul Saltzman was very sort of taken with Lennon whereas I I I thought it was very interesting George Harrison's genuine commitment to it again I, I, I admired I very much enjoyed they spoke to a lot of people who I'd not seen before so so when they went to India and found the studio where the inner lights was recorded and some of the other things are put down I and and the chap that played the flute who was just lovely I mm. thought who who talked about you know his friendship with George Harrison I didn't feel it was a cash in I I was very entertained by him going to see his daughter who who brought a, a much needed hint of cynicism self-aware cynicism she called herself a cynic which I thought was great about transcendental meditation which was the whole it was a thing about transcendental meditation as much as it was the Beatles which I thought was interesting what we didn't hear about was and we heard about all the songs they'd written and we were told they'd written all these different songs we didn't hear about Sexy Sadie and we didn't hear about their departures. Le- well, we, we know that some left before other people, but we didn't necessarily hear about the way in which it all fell apart mm. and how, you know, the the, the, the the chap might well have turned out to have been a fraud and the allegations that surrounded him involving a female member of the party. We didn't hear about that. So and um, perhaps Paul Saltzman, who was, a, I think, a true believer in transcendental meditation, and it seemed to really help him. To be fair, the Beatles sounded like they had been kind to him, and it was clearly an experience that was a big part of his life. So I, I didn't mind hearing about that. It's just that because we didn't hear the other side of the story that has been, I think, well-reported and well-documented, you sort of think, oh, well, this is sort of OK as far as it goes. It doesn't have the... It hasn't got, you know, the the uncomfortably unhappy ending that perhaps it might have had in real life. But no, I I enjoyed the photographs. I enjoyed the cinematography. It made me want to go to India. Actually, I really got the sense of the kind of the peace and the the idea that the Indian government didn't really know what they had on their hands and there had to be constant lobbying for them to actually, you know, reopen the ashram because uh, which is now, of course, largely a ruin. But I liked it. I I like you say. Like I said, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a definitive account, but it was a chap telling his story, I think, with charm and sincerity, and I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a fascinating movie for any Beatles followers. Mm. And it um, also f- f- um, follows my guidelines in that it's not too long. Oh, it was uh, one hour, 20 minutes. I yeah, was dead shocked with minutes, that. 82 minutes, that's there great. Is a, yeah. uh, we'll talk about where you can hire at the end, but there is yeah. a sort of a, there is a kind of a, 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 docu- a documentary about a documentary afterwards yes, in which right. there's sort of interviews. I have to say, I didn't watch that. I only watched I the film. Watch that but, either, uh, no, I, I didn't really, wasn't I'd motivated sort of, to see no, that. I, watched, I, I, I wanted to watch the movie, not the Q&A thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a shame that this movie wasn't made in tandem with Apple, as clearly yes. they had no rights to the music, which is that a huge a omission shame. throughout. A yeah. real shame, I think. Um, they did their best, but it was a bit of a shame. Yeah. A couple of other negatives. Well, I love the movie, but a couple of other negatives. Is that, um, you mentioned Mark Lewison and Paul Saltzman. They go to HMV in Mumbai, where George mm. Harrison recorded in 1968, but they didn't have any access to go in. So no. we just saw them standing at a padlock gate, which again just seemed... You know, for a bit of work or giving somebody, a, you know, a hundred dollars or something, they, they it yeah. could have been completely different. The other criticism I have is that they they undertook the the retro bit, the flashbacks, if you like, mm. on the cheap. Instead of yes. recreating key moments, they presented them in a rather odd cartoon, cartoon still format. I mean, I, I, I didn't I, like. They look ridiculous. I see, see. I quite enjoyed that actually, but mm. then that maybe that's just a matter of taste. I don't know. I thought. I see. I treated it as a we couldn't afford the rights to all this material so we're just going to try and invent our way around it it's a shame that the whole thing had to be done on the cheap because it was done without access because as you say if apple had been involved then it would have been it would have been completely fantastic and essential i think but maybe they just didn't want to play ball i mean you can't play ball with apple if they don't want to the rest of no, the rest of it was was pretty wonderful. Mark yeah. Lewis's insights were fascinating, as you yes, said. Always, yeah. Also, as you said, all of the Indian participants were fantastic, each seemingly with incredibly strong memories of how it was in 1968. I'm going to disagree with you on one thing, which mm. is that I thought probably we didn't need the views of Paul Saltzman's daughter, who I didn't find she added very much from her bench on the pier at Santa Monica. I couldn't see what the relevance was to um, Rishi Kesh. Um, but the overall feel I think, which... I think the relevance was I think the relevance sorry I, I don't entirely disagree with you but I think the relevance of the story was was that the way that the chap was telling it although the chap and the daughter sort of um, jovially disagreed slightly but basically it would seem that the daughter had found the photographs or had asked him about the photographs mm-hmm. and in fact it was a conversation with the daughter about it that had led him to find the photographs yeah. and then take them into the auctioneers and and I, I was quite moved by his sentiments at the end about how he felt the week had taught him how to love and had how taught him how mm-hmm. to love his daughter so actually once he'd said that and they went back to them talking I understood a bit more why she wanted to be there and I was or why they wanted her to be there and I found I found that quite moving actually yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's not something I talk about very often, but I mean, I've practiced transcendental meditation for about 30 years mm. and I find it very, very useful in my life. So I was, you know, obviously quite taken by that aspect of it as yes. well. Uh, as well. Um, yeah, Mark Lewison saying that he'd wanted to go to the ashram for 50 years. That was, I found that really uh, quite moving. And I couldn't quite believe it, that he hadn't been. That's no, what I found slightly no. strange about it. And, you know, it was still standing, as you say, neglect over the years, but it was still standing. We learned a lot from this movie, I felt. Saltzman, um, the chat from the Jets, the um, oh, about yes. the explosion of Indian beat yes, groups I, in the I 60s. Was, I was 
surprised that they didn't have um, a bloke from the Savages either. Although mm. having said that, there is going to be there's a going to be um, movie, there's going to be a longer film which will come out. There was a, a, a an article by Andrew Mail in the as you put it, my The Guardian mm. uh, earlier on this week that was um, that that which discussed the um, the the second film that's going to be out, which is a much deeper look into into well, particularly the KGB, I think as well and the whole yes, that, that that's very, very very compelling i think and um a bit of a coup as well because we even got to meet uh, ricky cook who was the inspiration for bungalow bill yes um, that was very that was I, I didn't realize it was about a real person the fact yeah. that him and his mum had shot this tiger and know. that the mum had tried to make an excuse it was charging on them that was a very interesting story how he and that was what was so interesting i can't remember which boyd sister it was they told but they told the mm. boyd sister that this bloke's big interests were you know were animal conservation and hunting which you wouldn't think would go together or meditation <laughs> and hunting and i think john there was a brief moment why I agreed with John Lennon, who was like, "Well, how does that work?" Yes. And um, and and apparently that sort of whole incident in the week at the ashram, and 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 you know, telling telling what's the name of the main bloke? Is it the yogi or the or the Maharaja? What was his what was Maharishi his name? Maharishi Mahesh That's Yogi. That's it. He's, um, his. See, I, I sort of got that. I had all, all some of the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. Um, they um, he sort of said how he was very cross about it, and this bloke had since you know he he didn't hunt anymore and he was a big animal conservationist he'd become a one of national geographic's main photographers i think yes. for a while and when they told the boys sister she was like oh how wonderful and yeah. i thought this is so nice this is the way that was handled i thought was really lovely actually and it was but the fact that they made anything that happened there into a song it, it showed you there was some debate and i enjoyed mark lewisham slightly setting paul saltzman to rights and how many songs had been written at the uh, that was the pit which it started to get a little bit train spotter in pub but um but the idea that you know they managed to put together like 30 songs when they were out there and and i thought it was very telling without referencing you know the falling out and with the yogi and and, you know the sudden departure that the beatles felt it was never quite the same when they came back that they weren't they weren't that close again that was the kind of last time that they were all really close together and paul saltzman was saying they were like a family and then and of course none of them ended up with those partners that were out there as well which i thought was a little bit telling but um it was very much a snapshot in time wasn't it got one final thought on that which is linked yeah. to what you just said mm-hmm. and it struck me while i was watching this and i have no idea if this is accurate or not i'm guessing mm. but i am guessing that this must have been the last time that the four beatles ever traveled somewhere together i can't Probably. think of another instant no. after Rishi well, they, Cash. well they didn't they didn't they tour, didn't travel did they? together they arrived separately and left separately i know but i mean it's the last time that they actually they went, went to, to a destination they were somewhere together and, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. no i agree and and, mm. and there was yeah it was it was the last time yeah it it, it was mm. the last it was the end. Of, it was the beginning, and then the end of an era in a lot of ways. Yeah. I I will try. I might try transcending myself this week. I will report back next week. Okay. Meeting the Beatles in India. It's available to stream via gather.com and mm. typically gather is g-a-t-h-r.com in other words gather without the e no one has e's anymore no, no one's allowed them i don't know why ten dollars uh, to stream it in the u.s seven quid in the uk and very much worth the price if you're oh, a very much fan i would say coming right up quizzes on the radio as ken bruce's pop master turns 20 mm. that's next after another reflection of the beatles in india
Now, interestingly, as the film picks up, Richard Cash wasn't the first time that some of the Beatles had gone to India. Harrison had been there before, and I think on at least one occasion, if not more. And it was, it was, um, was it one of his, one of the Boyd sisters went to a to a, a, a lecture or something, or was speaking to someone about transcendental me- meditation and and things like that. And they talked about things that were within you, without you, in terms of having a soul. And she had rung her sister, and George Harrison had answered, and she told him about it and that had been the inspiration for the mm. song and I think that Within and You Without You is such a um well it's an underrated song on Sgt Pepper I think and I think it just goes to show the quality that the Beatles put out you can't really say this enough that if Within within You Without You and any other band would probably be seen as one of their greatest ever songs and it would be like you know the whole album would be called Within You Without You probably and um, because it's George Harrison and the Beatles it's just plonked you know a bit of the way through Sgt Pepper isn't it but I think it's such a overlooked song in there and his discography I I think it's I find it really moving I don't think I struggle to think of any other song that sounds like it really or any other band that really incorporated Indian music in their in their sound to the full extent that the Beatles and particularly George Harrison did I know you know if you look at things like Born to be Wild there's a sitar on that and and it does crop up sometimes but I've Again, I find it a lovely example of George George Harrison's sincerity, actually. And I think it's a really beautiful song. A friend of mine once played it for a Beatles tribute concert and said it is an absolute pain in the thing to learn because it's really hard. <laughs> but but apart from that, it's a, it's magnificent. I love it. And I and they talk about it in the film. And, and I, I thought it was a nice sort of snapshot of them in India and particularly Harrison as well, as I seem to be feeling the love for old George at the moment. So that is the Beatles and Within You Without You. Seems absurd now, but at the time in 1967, such was general ignorance. Many people skipped Within You Without You. Um, Which is is silly if you think about it. It was easy to do. It was the first track on Mm -hmm. side two of Sergeant Pepper. Yes, exactly. It just bunged halfway along. Because people thought it was just a bit of George weirdness. But time has been so kind to within you without you i think and it's now seen mm. as one of the best tracks on on the album well it's, it's so it's it, as you say lots of george george harrison's sort of slightly more indian leaning stuff like my sweet lord which i find more endearing every year it 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 just there seems to be a a, a truth and a sincerity and an honesty about it and it's 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 just so wise isn't it and it just like you say it just seems to it just seems to feel more relevant rather than less anyway and mm. um, Game shows and quizzes on the radio, they're nothing new. It, it's thought that mm. the first radio quiz show was Information Please, a rather dry sounding <laughs> format that ran from its first show in the States from 1938 to 1951. And lucky listeners could win up to a grand total, the star prize of yes. $7. I mean, I wouldn't sniff at that now because at least that would get me most of the way towards paying to watch that film again. So so I don't know why you're being so critical. <laughs> uh, since then, there have been memorable radio quizzes. In the UK, there have been great successes, such as mm. the semi-serious ones, Brain of Britain, Counterpoint, yes. Round Britain Quiz, along with the much lighter, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, and the news mm. quiz. But, you know, strangely... It wasn't one of those that came to mind when I was thinking about mm. UK radio quizzes. It was one of the worst that I, I remembered straight away. It's part of the abysmal Dave Lee Travis show oh, on Radio no. 1. Oh. He had a segment where people would play darts on the radio involving... Oh, and snooker on the radio. And snooker well. on the radio, yeah. yeah. He did his very best to humiliate callers who gave the wrong answers to general knowledge questions. And then he would 
fall about in what sounded like fake hysteria at their inverted commas stupidity. Um, It really was the nadir of radio quizzes. Happily, Mm. one of the great successes of recent years, still thriving, the much nicer and very much kinder Ken Bruce hosts Popmaster on his BBC Radio 2 weekday show and this year it reached its 20th year anniversary. Now I think if you were only free on weekday mornings Jules you'd win Popmaster with ease but are you a fan of cheery Ken Bruce and his simple yet addictive pop quiz? Well put it this way I've had a bit of a not exactly an epiphany but a slight shift in my views on Ken Bruce um, I had a shift in my views on seemingly everything during the oh. pandemic and, and Ken Bruce is no exception so I've always been a huge fan of Popmaster oh. I just think it's a format that is, is it's simple but deadly it just works so well everyone knows the format you can bang your head on it it's two yeah. contestants it's, it's Ken Bruce talking to a contestant they do their questions and we all know that the questions are that that they have 10 questions three of those questions are a quote-unquote specialist subject which they can pick and they're always really interesting you might get a band to pick between you might get you know gold silver and bronze which could be you know things themed on that and you get triple the points so you get one point for correct correct no, you get three points per correct answer, but you get six for a for a bonus answer. So basically, you have to, you have to pick your bonuses well to win. And then they have Champions League for those that are top scorers at the end of the year, and it it just works so well. I don't know who thought of it, but it just goes to show that simple formats work well. Ken Bruce with the contestants has just been so lovely. He's been so kind. He's been so, you know, the way that he's kind of asked people what they're doing and how they are, particularly early on in the pandemic, it's really changed my view on him. He seems to have really found a much better way of of pitching and a sort of a slightly new seriousness. I have to say, I seldom listen to it in the middle of the day for reasons you give. I listen to the podcast and I have to say the jocular introductions that he does to the podcast I almost always forward fast forward over because you get about two minutes oh, of him it, oh man anyway that that's the old Ken Bruce which drives me up the wall I hate <laughs> those they're always like oh so and so says this and always and they're always some really forced laboured joke that goes mm. on for much longer than it should do but Ken Bruce hosting Popmaster I'm into it now I wasn't into him him at the beginning previously but he was he's been so nice with contestants during this pandemic he's one of these people who's come out of it certainly in my eyes in enhanced I think and improved for it and I I, I just love playing along I, I, the, it, it, what I do is I save them up on the podcast so I'll save up a whole week and then I'll I won't be able to put my ironing off for any longer and I'll just and I'll just pop an hour as a pop master on and it's great you know you can get through four or five in the time that you do all your shirts and your jeans and it's well my shirts and jeans I don't have the elaborate wardrobe arrangements that you do but no, it's 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 no, but it's really not many people do no well quite but uh, we can all aspire to that but um but yeah it's um i i like i'm a huge pop master fan of course i'm a huge pop master fan i was never not going to be a pop master fan but i do think that ken bruce has had a very good pandemic and that pop master and the way that he deals with contestants on pop master is a huge testament to that We've got a lot of new listeners these days, uh, mm-hmm. so many people may Which is not... lovely, by the way. Hi to mm. everyone walking their dogs. That is great. <laughs> people may not know that you took the nation by storm two summers ago, it is now, and hammered all opposition on national radio, becoming a sensation at the time and ending up in Ryland's Hall of Fame on mm. BBC Radio 2. 
Yes, that was a very bizarre experience, and it was it was. You ended wife, up going hey, up to the radio yes, studio. The whole, the whole thing was just that someone said, "How did it happen?" It just all got a bit out of hand. The way that it happened really was that my um, and this was two years ago that it first all started. Two years ago this week, it came up in my Facebook memories a few days ago. Um, I was driving along the seafront with my bandmate in about April or May of that year. It was around one of the bank holidays, May, sort of late April, early May, and she said why don't we were we were listening to radio 2 and they were playing the couch potatoes quiz which i hadn't realized had started off on the zoe ball program right. and the producer from the zoe ball program a bloke called simon then moved to ryland's program and took it with him right. so that's why it's so, so so it was started off on another program radio, radio 2 ended up in that and basically it was a not dissimilar format to pop master except without the bonuses in that one person does 10 questions and then their opponent then there's a record and then their opponent does 10 questions but this was based around uh, film and tv essentially hence the name and you got to pick 80s 90s or noughties to answer questions on and we were playing along with the radio and I got virtually all of them right. And my bandmate went, you should go on this. They want people to email in, email in. I bet they pick you. And I said, well, they won't because they never do. But I sent an email in, didn't hear anything back, completely forgot about it. And then in the first week of June, I had a call at something like one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon from this very cheery chap called Simon that said, we've got your email. Do you want to go on Couch Potatoes today? We'll ring you at about quarter past four. And I went, um, yeah, all right. <laughs> just because, just because you know why not and uh, and it started this ridiculous adventure where where i thought well hopefully i won't disgrace there's a bloke that was a reigning champion that had been on for three weeks because the idea was the winner stayed on and um and we ended up um so i unexpectedly beat him by one point uh this chap who was a very pleasant chap it turned out to be mark uh, mark the beast Lebet from the chase it was his brother phil apparently uh-huh. um but um he um he had said at the beginning that he was on a stag do and had been to the pub and i think that extra pint might have meant that i won but <laughs> but we um we yeah so i unexpectedly beat him and came and came back and the whole thing just went on and on and on me and my partner at the time went on holiday and and i ended up having to ring him from a car park in a supermarket in suffolk because it was the only place i could get signal and it just went on and on and on and I, and eventually i stayed on for 10 weeks i got put in the hall of fame after a fairly ridiculous final match and as you say ended up go because i just thought oh will you ring into a radio quiz don't you and you talk to i never i only ever spoke to Ryan on air but he was a delight to deal with he was absolutely lovely and then uh, the the bloke that that i played in my last match went on to himself win 10 matches and get in the hall of fame and um we were put in a head-to-head in radio two in the live studio we sat in the same room as you know this is pre-pandemic times can i stress mm. and literally pre-pandemic times this was christmas 2019 and when i think now how busy oxford street was Yes. When I was, it was the last Saturday before Christmas, yes. and when I think how busy Oxford Street was, as I was walking down and crammed into the tube, and I mm. went up to North London and saw some friends, and then came back down, and how just how rammed it was, and just how different the scene was only three months later. That is, that's put a particularly peculiar mm. slant on that memory. But yes, to go into Radio Two, the station of the nation, and to and uh, modestly, I, I, you haven't mentioned that you trounced this fellow and therefore became the the queen of queen, the king well, of kings. Well, I mean, I, to be honest, it was more about well, I got to meet Sally Traffic. That was a bit of an experience <laughs> in itself. A nice lady came up and introduced herself as Sally. But after about ten minutes, I went, oh, she's well. The funny thing was is that she said, oh, so what are you here for? And I went, oh, I'm doing 
doing the quiz and she went oh you're one of the quiz people you're Juliet and I went oh my god you're Sally Traffic so <laughs> so it was a uh, very strange and and Rylan was was just as he is on the radio really and just as he is in public life he was lovely and it was a very strange experience and I didn't think that I would end up actually in Radio 2 I just thought I'd be you know be on the phone and that was strange enough considering how many listeners gets Radio 2 gets every week I would get a text from someone who I hadn't heard from in years saying they'd switched on Radio 2 and all of a sudden were aware of hearing my voice it was it was really really odd and and just goes to show I think still the power of FM radio that some, my mum used to get loads of texts from people that she hadn't heard from in months you know during that time going I think we've just heard Juliet on the radio have we heard Juliet on the radio it was it was a very strange experience but a lot of fun as long as you didn't take it too seriously and I will always be grateful for getting to go into radio too how ridiculous mm. is that we sat in that studio it was great just one quick last point I wanted yeah. to ask you about this is one of the yeah. side effects of the pandemic <laughs> that you mentioned it's been one, one great big side effect yeah. hasn't it really but anyway well, yeah, as what has happened to pubs in the UK has been the collapse, not only of face-to-face get-togethers amongst uh, friends, but also the suspension of pub quizzes, which are incredibly popular in the UK. Um, and but as a result of this, you've found another niche in which to to star as a <laughs> quizzer par excellence during well, the, I wouldn't, the pandemic. I th- I wouldn't say I was starring at all, but I found a very um so I knew I had a mate I have a mate called Janine who um I was aware did this kind of weird high level competitive quizzing in something called the Quiz League of London, which where all the chasers play in the top divisions and and she'd she'd been going to pubs in London. Of course I wasn't doing that. And then all of a sudden everything shut down and it went online and she used to tweet about it quite a lot, mentioned on Facebook, and I said to her, you know, are you you know, how did you get into this? Because I thought it sounded quite interesting. And this was earlier on this year. And she said, well, why don't you come along? My friend Paddy, who's the secretary of Quiz League of London, is doing these kind of starter nights where you can quiz on Zoom on a Thursday night. And I, I went along to one of these things. And it is slightly addictive in that you meet new people, admittedly on Zoom rather than than, than in a pub. So it's not quite as fun but it's still and, and you're all on video and the idea is you have two teams of four playing each other and you will get asked individual questions you have to show hand signals if you know and it's not your question I won't bore everyone with the format but mm, Quiz no. League of London has its own Wikipedia page so if you're interested you can have a look and see the format there is a much like Rugby Union and Rugby League there is also the online Quiz League which <laughs> operates solely online I have a great deal of fun I also it seems to be a way of people something for people to build much like people listening to to any radio shows mine or others in in the pandemic people like having something to do i think a particular we do this at eight o'clock on a wednesday night we do this at nine on thursdays as a result of which are for, for strange offshoots i mean the, the level of this quizzing is just bonkers in that there is some of it's really easy some of it's really hard they ask you questions on anything and by anything i mean the other night we had questions on in our match on French French rivers, names of roller coasters, um, something to do with Chinese dynasties, female singers that have been nominated at the Brit Awards by their albums. I mean, the most ridiculous, you know, different types of pasta, the most ridiculous range of things. An offshoot of that that's become like this sort of scary Rocky Rocky Balboa style boot camp is that <laughs> a group of group of my fellow quizzing nerds have gathered to do a, a speed quiz where we do fifty questions at six o'clock. 
on a weeknight and um, have a downloadable app which has you punch the first letter of the of the of the of the answer and I, you know, I really enjoy it. It's so nice to have something to do after work. You know, you don't necessarily have to go out to do. It's still going out is still a slightly fraught experience at the moment, <laughs> and it's like to be for some time. And you know, a friend of mine won't do them because he says, "Oh, I just miss. I like being in the pub, and I hate the fact that the quiz will finish and I'll turn my computer off and I'll just be sat in my house." And it's like, yeah, I do, I do get that, but it's. It's a lot of fun. And I and I, you know, I've got lots of new powers as my friend put it. Where have all these Facebook friends come from? And why are all their profile pictures them on University Challenge or them on Only Connect or them on Mastermind? You know, it's some powers, it's some quizzing powers we some powers I've met through quizzing. Two of them on Mastermind Final the other week. It's 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 been a, a you know it's great. It's been a, a very social thing. The the, the women and di- and gender diverse in quiz. We meet for drinks occasionally, separate Zoom drinks. It's 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 a great deal of fun. I think that it's it's a nice thing that has been kind of sprung up through necessity, but it's just such a nice way of meeting people and stretching your brain a bit. I've learned so much that I didn't know previously, and it's it's it made me realise how little I know. I was one of those people, as my friend put it, after the first night. Now, I know it's strange when you've been the cleverest person in every room and every pub, and then you get into Zooms with people like Paul Sinner from The Chase, and all of a sudden you're not. But um, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's been great. And I was thoroughly, I, mean, I know everyone did Zoom quizzes earlier on, early on, and I get that people got a bit fatigued of those. But I think there was a reason why everyone wanted to do quizzes, because it's a way of keeping your brain active, I think. And it's a way of, for me, all the time I'm looking, because I do do a bit of learning for quiz, so I'm not bad on Booker Prize winners now. But, um, but you know, there's a bit, there's some stuff that you think, I have no interest in this, but I'm probably going to have to learn it, like state capitals or things like that. But it reminds me that there's a world outside my, my front room, I think, and that's a yeah. nice thing. A good thing has come out of a bad thing, and mm. that's that's a positive. Absolutely, it's perhaps not quite the same as as everyone piling into pubs to meet each other, but we hope to do that one day. Coming next, writers on the albums that shape them. It's a new book out this week, but do records actually change lives? Mm. Um, that's right after the wonderful Jackie Oates. She lives in this house over there, has a world outside it. Scrabbles in the earth with her fingers and her mouth She's five years old Threads worms on a string And spiders in her pocket Collects fly wings in a jar Scrubs horse flies and pinches them on a Listening to the weather in 
A lovely cover of the Bjork Sugar Cubes track. Mm. She's simply one of my favourite singers. Uh, this is a track from her 2009 album Hyperboreans, uh, the splendid Jackie Oates and Birthday. Yeah, I think that's grand. I'm a I'm an enormous fan of the original, and it mm, was you cool. know so as a result, which I have quite a large emotional attachment to it. Yeah. But Jackie Oates is great. She's done some great so. covers, and that is a lovely version. Now it's an absurdly obvious thing to say that music can have a profound effect on us all either individually listening on our own or you know maybe as part of a hundred thousand people in say Hyde Park Glastonbury or Lollapalooza somewhere sometimes a track will pop up and I don't know maybe the same thing happens to you I'm I'm transported back to a Mm. particular place or time or a person and suddenly I can feel the surroundings I was in at the time that that track had its first major effect on me good vibrations i'm in the garden as a child listening to offshore pirate radio on a tiny little transistor radio sergeant pepper i'm listening to a reel-to-reel copy taped off the radio in 1967 neil young's harvest my first girlfriend and i listening together on a swish new cassette player and i can Mm. you know I, i listen to it and i can feel the breeze through the open window i can sense the room we were in but these tracks and i can't think of any others either didn't change or shape my life can an album alter your life or push you into making serious decisions there's a book out this week published by bloomsbury and it's a compilation of pieces called long players writers on the albums that shape them now i love sergeant pepper and abbey road and blue and deja vu but they haven't shaped me has your life been changed by records jules I was trying, I was thinking about this. There are certain records which I will always have an emotional attachment mm. to. Um, I wonder if they, they, there are certain records that have perhaps shaped my taste. So there are certain records that I've listened to that have then wanted me to, made me want to listen to things that were similar. So, so for example, listening to Blondie then got me into lots of sort of New York music of that area that I, that I might not have otherwise discovered. Um, 
but in in a way, I suppose music sort of albums might have changed my life a bit. I I play in a band um, with uh, my bandmate Sarah, who is now Sarah Corey, but back in the day was Sarah Bleach, and she was in a couple of bands which had some level of success in the sort of the indie music press and sort of indie radio world. Um, there's a session they did for for Radio One, I think it would have been at the time, which still gets played on Six Music occasionally. Um, you know, they released records, they did tours with people like San Etienne and and, and Nikki, uh, she was in Comic Gain and Vedaset, and I knew a song called Vedaset by Vedaset called Bitter Scene, which I absolutely loved, and I very much loved all of that C86 music, and uh, it was my knowledge of that music of C86 era that first got me talking to Sarah. And she then said, oh, do you like to do the gosh? And I went, yeah, I really do. And she went, well, I, I know them. I know them really well. And they've said that, you know, because I've said I want to form a band with you. And they've said, well, we can support them or they can support us at our first gig. They'd like to come and play with us. And we eventually ended up putting on a festival with them. And I, w- I was able to suddenly meet all these bands that I really liked and make lots of new friends through, you know, bands that travelled and played with us at this festival, bands that we played elsewhere. And I was given the language to do that and the language to, to make friends and the language to sort of be amongst these people almost as an equal because I'd listened to those records because I had not just their records. I'd listened to all those. sort. we were all listening to the same records and I had that as a vocab. So maybe it didn't maybe they didn't change my life, but they enhanced my life, I think. And I think I think that the Beatles, um, like you, are a huge influence mm. on me. I think they might I think. Uh, well elastica i think maybe did change my life that record in that elastica and electrolane both that were elastica two uh three quarters female electro and all female electrolane were the, the first band and elastica as well who i saw photographs of there's a there was a brilliant photograph of electrolane on the front cover of wire magazine all wearing big jumpers on brighton beach and just looking like four people in big jumpers on Brighton Beach. And I remember thinking, I could be in that band. That that's literally I could be in that band. And and I did I sort of told them on Instagram years later that I it semi inspired me to play. And I I don't think I'd had the confidence to play in band and to to really learn how to play music properly. I could play, but bands like Elastica and that album, I, I bought the tab book. I bought the tab book of Oasis, encouraged me to play and have brought me a lot of joy and a lot of experiences and then of course years later I'd play in bands and get booked to play at parties and get told to bring things and and so so learning to play instruments and being inspired by records I love to learn how to play them has actually changed my life a little bit so so I I don't know if it might have necessarily changed my thinking but but certain records have given me huge amounts of confidence and enthusiasm to do things that I might not have otherwise wanted to do or or been able to do or even thought that I wanted to do which has then brought me experiences and and made me meet people and, and meet friends that I otherwise wouldn't have made so I think it has a little bit for me but I do see the point you're making yeah um maybe Maybe music and I suppose football are the new opiates of the people that keep us mm. all from going loco. But I, I do remain transfixed by what some of the contributors to this book say. Neil Gaiman on Bow- this, this Bow- book. Sorry, I, I'm not sure if we would explain what this book is, or if I was, I wasn't listening. For the benefit oh, of yeah. me and possibly the listeners and the tape, as they say in police dramas, what is mm. this book? 
Well, um, as I explained earlier, it's All a right. compilation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a compilation of pieces called "Long Players Writers on the Albums That Shape." That's shaped it. Them, I remember published by Bloomsbury. Now. Yes. Thank, thank they, you for bearing with me, Terence. I appreciate your patience as always. Neil Gaiman uh, on um, Barry's Diamond Dogs. He said. Uh, in this book, shaped the inside of my 13-year-old head and made me who I am. And I just thought, really? A record? Maybe a great record, but it shaped the inside of your head and made you who you are. And some of the other participants describe the same emotions as me. That is, here's a record that I like a lot and means a lot to me because it reminds me of stuff. So I think the allusion to the record that changed my life Maybe it's just a bit over, rather over dr- dramatic. I think even the ones that you were describing, <laughs> you you were more, I think, describing how you remember them fondly um, of an influence that they they had at you at the time and how you love them. They, when you think of them now, it reminds you of that time. But I'm not sure that they actually divert your course in life by listening to an album. Maybe you know, maybe they do, but I just. I just think it's a bit, um, as I say, overdramatic to suggest that one's life is entirely put on a different course by uh, listening to a Rolling Stones record or something. Well, maybe, maybe. I, I still think that, that listening to those records did did mm. point me in directions and experiences and, and inspired me to join bands that I otherwise wouldn't have joined and and met people that I otherwise wouldn't have met, actually. So 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 I, 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 I'm sticking with it, but I'm Fair not enough. necessarily saying that, that my entire philo- philosophy <laughs> was no. shaped by Stories from the City by PJ Harvey as much as I love that record. So, so yeah, I I mean they are writers these people aren't they is what i will say as a sort of a broad brush response yes. to that i think we know what i'm saying here but um yes. but yeah if, if it has it has you know but but yeah i, I i'm probably in the, annoyingly as always i'm lying in the middle of the road and getting run over on this and that i'm not quite i'm not quite where you are but i'm not quite where they are which who knows maybe the records that shape my life well brings us nicely to my smooth sailing adventures doesn't it i suppose if we're talking yes. about middle of the road well, thank you very much for being with us this time round. Great to Always, have you. Always, yes. Thank you for thank you for cutting cutting grass verges, walking dogs, going to work, or doing whatever it is you do whilst listening to us. We really appreciate it. I, I know some people who've been listening to us for so long that they they started doing the kindergarten run uh, listening to us, <laughs> and say, they're now dropping off the children at sixth form. I was, uh, was going to say yes. Good good luck to everybody taking kids off to university in September who weren't born when we started doing this. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, playing us out. Um, it, my favourite single of the year. Ju- Juliet chose this track. Playing us out. My favourite single of the year so far. It's like the mm-hmm. fifth dimension meets Rotary Connection. That is a brilliant description, a brilliant, brilliant description. It's interesting you could, you should say Rotary Connection. The singer in Rotary Connection was Minnie Ripperton, um, and her wonderful tune, Le Fleur, is clearly a big influence on this. Have it, and actually, when I played this on my Smooth Sailing radio show, um, I was uh, this was requested by a listener, and I paired it with Le Fleur by, by Minnie Ripperton, and my, my friend texted and went, you are a genius. We were just sat at home saying oh this really sounds like Le Fleur and then it just tacked on nicely I love the dreaminess of this but it's got enough of its own thing I think to make it 
influenced by rather than derivative if you see what i mean i think it's Jessie ware is just a star she really is so underrated Yes, one of the most frighteningly accomplished r- women in Britain. She's got a, a new book coming out talking about sort of food. She hosts the Excellent Table Manners podcast with her mother, and uh, which is great. They get astonishing guests on that. It, it, they are able to operate again. Of course, they had to operate over Zoom for a while. But the premise is, is that they get someone round to the mum's house and they cook and talk. And it's and it's it's always really interesting. Um. So so yeah, J- Jessie Ware yeah just just frighteningly talented and brilliant and underrated like you say and i i this whole album it comes from what's your pleasure is such a treat i'm so sorry i feel she was slightly robbed of her moment with this album and then it's a bit of a direction change for her and that this is quite upbeat electronic disco there's some incredible producers on it she's got all sorts of people that have sort of come to help her including the other underrated genius of our times joseph mount from metronomy Oh. does a lot of and mm. i will probably pick metronomy next week to hammer that point home but um mm. but yeah he's done some of the production on this and it's uh, she's previously been very understated and very kind of her early records are great but she's always been very much kind of it's been she she not exactly underperformers but she is a, a, ma- a mistress or master of understatement and this is much more upbeat and, and much more of a, a disco banger album and it is brilliant and it was released in 2020 as a result of which it, i i feel has quite had the love that it otherwise deserves although she is all over radio too in fairness so so they get it even if no one else does but this is my song of the summer so far i'm with you terence it's one of the the mm. best records i've heard all year um from the album the excellent album what's your pleasure by jesse Ware. this is remember where you are
have been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>